Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I am struggling this week, and when I have these days of struggle, I feel it necessary to share because I think that too many of us, when we are feeling incredibly overwhelmed or hopeless, keep that information to ourselves. When I woke up at the beginning of this week to see that Italy had elected a fascist to lead their country, Giorgia Maloney, who had become and was lifted up as a darling of the American far right, being, you know, celebrated by Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, Viktor Orban in Hungary, the dictator in Hungary, Putin, and others. And she has made no qualms about her agenda and about her allegiance. This is somebody that at the age of 15, 15 years old, began their own fascist nationalist organization that then was disbanded because of Italy's history with fascism and authoritarianism. It was illegal to create those types of groups. Well, change a few logos and, you know, call yourself a conservative but continue with the same ideology and teachings of Mussolini that she has held up as a incredible statesman. She is now going to be in charge of the third largest economy in Europe. Italy, not unlike the United States, has experienced economic devastation, a lot of it prior to the pandemic, but certainly exacerbated by it. What has also happened, because Italy has a coalition government, you know, you had votes that were split 
And as we will have conversation with Dr. Jonathan Metzel, there was a miscalculation by the center left parties that if you hold up this extreme personality and character, that that in and of itself will be enough to drive people to the polls. Well, guess what? It didn't. And many, many people in Italy stayed the fuck home. And it was a historically low voter turnout. So now they have a fascist in charge. Somebody who is, believes in cleansing the country when it comes to the migrant population that wants to have strict borders for, particularly for Northern Africans, that is, believes in the quote unquote traditional family and wants to rescind Italy's same-sex marriage law that was passed in roughly around 2016. Any of this sound familiar? And after her win, all of conservative social media lit up with congratulations and applause. And I am left absolutely fucking dumbstruck because one, when Biden referred to these fucking basket of deplorables as semi-fascist, they got all up in arms. And clearly the only thing that they got up in arms about was the fact that they were being referred to as semi-fascist as opposed to 100% fascist. Because I don't know in what other fucking time in America's history do you have American politicians celebrating the win of somebody that is associated with, celebrates, lifts up, is in communication with the fucking granddaughters of Mussolini. A man that was murdered, captured, murdered by his own people, hung upside down by his fucking feet in the town square in Milan. Rachel Maddow did a kick-ass opening on Monday night where she gave the history lesson that you know, you probably didn't get in school because we gloss over every fucking thing. Hence why we continue to repeat the awful aspects of our history because we don't fucking teach it. So here we are arriving at a time when world powers are reorienting themselves around authoritarianism and fascism. This is not hyperbolic. Look at the fucking maps. Look at who's running and winning in both this country and abroad. Jonathan and I will get into a conversation that frankly is making my stomach turn because it's thinking about where would the world have been without the bombing of Pearl Harbor that forced the United States into World War II after 6 million Jewish people and others were murdered in camps that we knew about, but didn't do dick about until we were bombed. What happens to the world when there isn't America to come in and actually advocate for and fight for democracy? Now, we know that America ain't fucking perfect. That we know to be 100% true. We also know that we only enter into wars and supply, you know, arms 
when it suits us economically. We absolutely know that. It doesn't diminish the fact that without the United States entering into World War II, the number of 6 million Jews would have exceeded exponentially and just spread, right? Around Europe, around the world. So when you have a realigning of power that is happening right now, and it is going into the hands of those that believe that white supremacy is the way, violence is the only fucking solution, and oppression is the mode of operation, what do you do? I can't express to you all enough that we are being called up in a moment that is going to define this country and the world for generations to come. We're so obsessed with sci-fi and fantasy like The Hunger Games and The Handmaid's Tale. And the reality is all of those things have been foreshadowing for this fucking moment. If people have ever asked themselves, who would I have been in World War II? Who would I have been during the fight to abolish slavery? Who would I have been during the civil rights movement? This is that time. Are you willing to answer that call? Are you willing to mobilize as many fucking people as possible to get to the polls? Are you willing to donate if you have the ability to give money as much as you possibly can? Are you willing to run for office yourself, whether that be from the school board level to the fucking mosquito board to, you know, city council and onward? Now is the time for good people not to sit by and allow bad things to happen because we think that by sticking our necks out or keeping them in rather, that then we are going to isolate ourselves from bad things happening to us. It is already happening and it is going to get worse. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. The Damage Report with John Idarola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join the Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives. Create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality, collaborate, and participate in fun activities like voting for, the garbage person of the week, and much more. Listen to The Damage Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch.
Folks, you know that when it is our weekly conversation with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. I think it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Wednesday. I don't know what day it is, folks, because (laughs) I feel like we live inside of a weird uh, continuum that just, I feel like I'm on loop. You know what came out is coming out anew, Jonathan? (laughs) Quantum leap. I would like to quantum leap the, the fuck out of the time that we are in right now. But um, I want to talk to you about what is happening globally and get your thoughts on how it ties back to dying of whiteness, how it ties back to what we've been experiencing in the United States since roughly 2015. So this week um, in Italy, uh, they had elections and have elected Giorgia Maloney who is essentially the second coming of Mussolini. When she was 15 years old, she joined a fascist regime uh, that then had to be uh, put down uh, because in Italy at the time, uh, creating fascist organizations um, were illegal, right? Because of what the country went through uh, for decades plus Uh, under Mussolini. And she has been activated in nationalist groups, in fascist groups, and has become a darling of the far right in the United States. She has spoken at CPAC. She has spoken at several events. And you would think a country like Italy that went through so very much under fascist dictators that we wouldn't be in this place where we are seeing a reorientation of the World War II kind of axis that was disrupted, you know, because of World War II, because of America coming in, because of other nations in Europe coming in and fighting back against Hitler. And, you know, We're watching, I watched all, you know, for the last day or so, Republicans congratulate this win, uh, celebrate the win of this leader that is a fascist. I've watched historians talk about her. I've watched people compare the ideology, the, 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 even the logo, right? Um, so I want to get your thoughts on how we get to this place where Italy has had the lowest voter turnout that they've had in a really long time. And, but this is who, this is who now they are looking to, to restore order, to restore, I guess, jobs. Uh, Talk to me about like the parallels that you see and how these far right fascist authoritarian dictatorships come to power? Like, what is the perfect storm that we're inside of? Well, um, I, I think there is an important point for the United States here. Um, but I think it's important, of course, and I'm sure everybody who talks about this says that there's kind of a caveat that um, the Italian right is not Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's not like they're all part of the same party. Um, it's not like... Um, I mean, certainly there is a move back toward authoritarianism and fascism across the globe. And certainly that this reflects that. 
But I think it's important to also recognize what the local factors are that lead to the rise of power um, are because they're different in every location. I think the important point for the United States, among many, is that the the rise of the right in Italy is not just about people um, either tuning out or wanting fascism. It was also about miscalculations on the center and the left. They uh, basically people who were in the center and the left figured if they put up somebody, if they if they basically destroy their own party and put up somebody who was so preposterous on the right that people would just kind of see how idiotic this was and it would push them back toward their own power um, that um, that in a way, so she, she was in, in a part supported by the center and the left because people thought, well, this is a perfect way for us to seize power. Um, and, 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 Italy, of course, is coalition politics. So this government may last for a, a long time. It may not. I mean, certainly fascists are good at holding on to power once they get it. So I would not underestimate that. But I would say just that, that the important point for the United States is that um, this is partially a result of miscalculation by our version of the Democrats to say, if we put up somebody who's so far right, there's no way voters are going to go for it. And the reason I say that is because, of course, that's the gamble that Democrats have made across the country in the United States, that if we put up the Mastriani's and the other guys and all these crazy J.D. Vance's and all this kind of thing, they've in a way supported a lot of far right candidates with the assumption that everybody's just going to see the world the way they do. And I think that is the flashing warning red sign, beside having a right wing ruler who is like, super right on every social issue the Democrats care about. But I would say that um, that really it's a challenge for for the, the Democrats um, who have pushed for these far-right candidates in all these positions. I mean, I, I just think that it's a terrifying moment, right, in a way, for, for that reason, that that could be a miscalculation depending on what happens in the midterms. You know, I want to talk about the psychology of, of the moment right now and and what 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 we are and, and what human beings are 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 going through and are experiencing because i feel like because we don't teach history in a comprehensive and honest way that we are always destined to repeat it there is fertile ground that has been laid for the type of desperation that people in Italy are feeling and people around this country are feeling and people around the globe. And what I realize is that the people that are responsible for creating economic insecurity are also the same people that come in to swoop down and say, we alone can fix this, right? That they are creating the conditions for societal instability to uplift this fact that if you were to just follow us, give away a little bit of your freedom that we chip away a little bit here and a little bit there, you'll be okay. So my, my, my question, Jonathan, is about the fertile ground. Is how does, this, how does this groundwork get laid? Because it doesn't happen overnight. Like Madeleine Albright had said, you know, and it's an old quote that like, if you want to pluck a chicken, you don't pluck all of the feathers all at once. It's the same thing with authoritarianism. You do it one feather at a time, and then nobody realizes until the chicken is bald that here we are. So 
how do hey, hey, let's let's leave bald out of it. <laughs> but how do you get to a place where you've you've created such fertile ground for the for these types of people, these types of personalities, I should say, to become the answer? I, I'm teaching this class, COVID and Society, this semester that looks at the kind of tectonic shift. Um, that was brought about by the pandemic. And so given that I'm living in the kind of COVID world right now uh, and everything you and I have been talking about for the past 74 years, um, I would say that um, I would, I would say that for me, part of the question I always ask is how many of these things would have happened without the pandemic? Of course, that's an alternate universe um, where um, Michael J. Fox doesn't let his, the bad guy marry his mom. Um, th- that's not the world we're living in. Um, but, but I would say that, um, I would say that, you know, think about what happened with the pandemic, right? Profound instability, risk of, um, globalization exposes social safety nets, uh, which become all of a sudden costs that we can't pay disrupts, um, supply chains, economy, economies are turning upside down. And so, and I guess just at the most human level, um, you know, you can get killed by talking to somebody else. Um, and so who do you trust to breathe their air becomes a really important factor. And so I just feel like we're kind of living through pandemic politics right now. I mean, mm. that's my personal read on, of it is just that the world and, and existence became so uncertain, right? The, the guardrails we thought we had, we didn't. The things we thought were supporting us became liabilities, and, and in a way, people who rise to the top—not just in governments—people probably see this in their daily lives—are kind of asshole naysayers. Really, is this is a perfect moment for them? Uh, not people who are like, "Let's all solve this together," but more like, "I'm selfish, and we have the right to be selfish," um, or against everything that is any in any way telling anyone to tell anybody to do anything. Um, and so in a way it's, it's that kind of moment. And I think we're seeing leaders who are a reflection of that around the world. Now, I don't know if that would have been the case without the pandemic. Certainly we had, of course, elected Trump well before, right? but, um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a moment really for that. Because that's the thing that that's exactly what I was going to say was that prior to COVID, right. Which I believe that we are in the, the, perfect phrase we are living in the politics of covid the politics of 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 a pandemic and there has been that tectonic shift that i don't think will ever shift back to normal we're just we're operating in a new abnormal but prior to that donald trump was elected we had we had all of the information that was available to us about who this person was about who what kind of politics they believed in about their misogyny their racism Donald Trump came out and said, I alone can fix this. Right. Democrats were looking around and saying, what are you trying to fix? Because we're coming off the Obama years. Right. So what. You wrote the book on racial resentment, which he was able to exacerbate and become this straw man figure. And so I'm like, what. Aside, if is there anything aside from just racism and the fact that a black man became president of the United States 
that created the fertile ground for Trumpism in this in this country. I mean, you know, we we've always had these tensions, right? I mean, America, the rough economic framework of America is like people roughly speaking and people come to this very differently and have different relationships to it but the rough framework of america is like people roughly buy into a common pool right i mean otherwise somebody from louisiana what do they have in common with somebody from massachusetts for example and then you break it down by all other kinds of you know racial groups or ethnic groups or uh, political groups but it's kind of like yeah we all buy into the notion that we vote for our elected leaders. Yeah, we buy into the notion that, at least in the post-FDR world, you know, we pay into things like Medicare or Social Security. Um, the state does certain things for us, things like that. Um, and, but those things are not given, right? None of those things are given. And so I do think that, I mean, again, those things were, <laughs> those things are based on, communal participation and when a good part of the population isn't going to participate or pay into it then we can see the whole thing is can fall apart <laughs> um and so i certainly think in my book i i saw that with the election of, of obama absolutely and the fact that obama tried to instill the you know Affordable Care Act is his first uh, his first move, which was kind of like telling people to pay into a common pool. This assumption that we're all in in it together, and there was a lot of rejection against that. I don't know. I guess my, that's really my question for you. Had for let's say Mitt Romney had won the presidency, would we be in a better place right now? I think that we no. I think that in terms of a better place with the lack of political violence and um, the rise of white supremacist organizations, yes. Um, I think that in terms of, you know, policy to advance the country, no. So I feel like it was, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, which is, you know, were was a Black person never supposed to ascend to the highest level because we were always going to experience a violent white lash, right? And because we didn't address real racism and we, and, and you know, one of, one of the things that, one of the questions that's, that's being posed right now is we're, as we're watching the shift globally, Rachel Maddow did a, a, a killer opening uh, the, you know, on Monday night when she gave a whole history on Mussolini and a whole history on what the Germans did in their deep excavation of how did we get here? The Nuremberg trials, all of these things to like get to root out, right? Um, the, the core of this, of this hate, right? Of this, of this uh, nationalism that, that rose in their country to such prominence. They were the only ones to do that. In Europe, no one else went through the kind of reckoning that Germany did. And I so my feeling is that had we done that, had we had we ever done that and had that as a core part of our values in America of what equity and justice looks like, it doesn't mean that the slave trade 
and Jim Crow would have been avoided. But when we had that 12-year opportunity for reconstruction, had we had an actual racial reckoning that was embedded into our advancement as a society, no, I don't think that we would have ever arrived at this place, right? Like, um, because we would have learned, we would have known. That's a part to me of education. And that's why this far right movement in the United States, as well as globally, is so anti-education, is so anti, you know, academics, is so anti anyone that actually is a critical thinker because it goes against, right, their ability to cajole the masses. Yeah, I mean, and, and so the question is like, I mean, I'll just be, I mean, obviously my, I come from a family of Holocaust survivors, right? And so certainly when things started happening in Germany with anti-Semitism, it was the intellectuals that got targeted first, shutting down papers, burning books, all the things that almost become like if you're living 50 or 80 years after it, like almost a stereotype, like, oh, burning books, isn't that so not creative or something like that? But it's just crazy how much these things, um, this these kind of issues replay themselves with kind of find an, an other who we can all rally against um, and then take the kind of liberties that would be unimaginable against secular society. Um, and and so um, it, it does feel, I mean, people who come from my traumatic past or your traumatic past, I mean, there's not, there's, it's not a, it's not a mystery why we've right. been like <laughs> on pins and needles for, quite some time about, about these kind of things. Um, and, and, and at the same time, the lesson of kind of world war two is that ultimately there were checks and balances in the system. Ultimately the United States, because of a miscalculation of bombing Pearl Harbor was forced into a war. It probably didn't want to go into, but it became a, a, it became a check and balance uh, against aggression. But who's the, you know, if the Republicans take over here, Mm-hmm. what what's the what's going to be the world who's going to write the world again right um in in a way you know it feels like it's a continuation of the same the same conflict and i'm not in any way trying to of course minimize racism in any way shape or form and i do agree with you that um there's that that reckoning that have needed to happen but it's also important to note that it's not just that the reckoning didn't happen it's that the resistance to all those things has been going on. It just, people haven't been paying attention to it. I mean, that was what I found in dying of whiteness. And so I would say, I'll just say as one important active, active note that people better friggin' vote, <laughs> you know, in this midterm. I mean, and I mean, the lesson of Italy is not that people were for or anti-fascism. It's that some people were for fascism and other people didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to pay the consequence. And so um, I, I think that the importance of voting in New York for the governor election, in Wyoming for the secretary of state, in wherever you are for the school board, you know, this is kind of the last stand this midterm in a way. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a really, really important mm-hmm. midterm. And so people, we can say all we want, but if people don't show up to vote, we're going to meet the same fate as, as Italy. Jonathan, I have a last question for you that is (laughs) not a light one. You know, um, 
you have often talk, spoken about your family being a family of Holocaust survivors. And the question that I have is, did they stay and survive the camps or did they flee? And if they fled, which you're shaking your head that they, that they fled, what was the final writing on the wall for them that said, we need to get the hell out of here? I mean, we had a huge family. My dad came from a huge family of cousins and aunts and grandparents and everybody was in Austria. They'd been in Austria or Austria-Hungary for hundreds of years. This is our land. This is our language. Um, and all this shit started happening. And my grandfather of everybody there started saying, wait, we better take this seriously. They're not kidding around. All the aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents said, it's fine. You know, we'll weather the storm. It'll be fine. My grandfather was the one person who said, no, wait, we got to pay attention to this. He and my grandmother and my father escaped to Switzerland at the time, which was neutral. And some few of the last people who got into Switzerland, everybody else stayed in Austria. Everybody who stayed with two exceptions got got murdered um, in, in concentration camps. So it wasn't about surviving the camps. It was about having the foresight to say, hey, wait, we're gonna have to upend our life, but that but this stuff is real. So it was kind of taking seriously the clues um, that that other people were missing, honestly. And so that's kind of something I've obviously you can tell carried with me. <laughs> you know, I don't take clues lightly when I think that they're real clues. So, hmm. but well. but again, at the time, you know. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll see how this goes. The world order, you know, responded in many ways to the horror of that by reshaping the reshaping the world order that's kept us going until now, but that seems to be crumbling. And so it's kind of like what, what comes next? A new world order. Yeah. Bitcoin. Uh, Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, thank you so much for always taking the time to um, carry such heavy topics uh, and help us. Um, I don't know create some, create some sense and create some type of pathway. I don't know where the pathway is leading up today, but hopefully the um, pathway will lead us toward like, I mean, I'm really concerned about the lack of energy for voting in the midterm. I mean, I think that's a huge issue and that's something that is very palpable right now that people can address. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. Thank you, dear friend. We'll pick this up again next week. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.